0: Hey listeners, welcome to another episode of Brown Girls Read Podcast. This is your host, Tamantivana. And this is Kathy Thakur. And both of us love reading books. On this podcast, we bring our favorite books to you and discuss the parts that were most meaningful to us and how we found them interesting or relatable as Brown Girls. Today, we are discussing The Henna Artist by Alka Joshi. This is Alka's debut novel, but I found it hard to believe because the story, the character development It's all so beautifully written. I know. She has a gift. Definitely. Kathy, this is our 10th episode. Can you believe it?
1: Oh my God. Has it really been that many? I really didn't realize it. It
0: has been so much fun. I know. Time just flies when you're having fun. Yeah. And now let's take a moment to thank our listeners for all their love and support. Yeah. And we appreciate you all so much. On that note... Should we let them know that we have a special treat for them? Yes. We have invited... Drumroll, please. Alka Joshi today for a special segment.
1: Yay! We are so excited for this, you guys.
0: Yeah. But before we get to that, Kathy, why don't you give our listeners an overview of the book?
1: Sure. The Henna Artist is a story set in the 1950s in India. The main protagonist of the story is a 30-year-old Indian woman called Lakshmi. Lakshmi abandoned her abusive husband Hari and came to the city of Jaipur, where she became a henna artist to the city's most elite women. Lakshmi is also a skilled herbalist and she creates delicious Indian treats to ease her clients' ailments and issues, as well as tea sachets that serve as birth control. Lakshmi's business was booming when out of nowhere, her husband appeared at her doorstep with her younger sister Radha and Lakshmi didn't even know that Radha existed before. And now Lakshmi has to handle her business and her teenage sister. Lakshmi dutifully takes Radha under her wing but her spirited little sister wants to explore her new city and all its delights. and soon several missteps lead to all hell breaking
0: loose. We'll be back after a quick word from our sponsor. I love this book because it painted India so beautifully. And since the book is based in North India, I found a lot that was really relatable. Yeah, me too. Before we dive in, let's introduce a few main characters of the story that we will be talking about today. Lakshmi is the protagonist. She is this 30-year-old henna artist who's living in the city of Jaipur. Her sister is Radha, a 13-year-old teenager who was born after Lakshmi left her village. Lakshmi's estranged husband is called Hari Shastri. And Parvati Singh is a society matron, an elite woman who is influential and plays a very important role in Lakshmi's life.
1: Okay, let's get to the discussion
0: now. So like we mentioned, Lakshmi is the henna artist and she does henna for influential and rich ladies, Parvati being one of them. In one of the encounters, it's mentioned that the darker the henna, the more a woman is loved by her husband. Have you heard this one before, Kyati?
1: Yeah, I have. People still believe it to be true today in India. Like, you know, during a wedding, the bride's henna should be the darkest.
0: Yeah, I've seen now henna artists use some special oils or chemicals, I don't know what, to make sure the henna is the darkest for the bride. Yeah. I have also heard a slightly different version of this growing up, that if your henna darkens, that means your mother-in-law will really love you, or if it doesn't, your life is basically hell.
1: Oh my god, actually, yeah, I've heard that as well. And you know, in the same encounter when Lakshmi is with Parvati, you can see so much hypocrisy in the Indian culture. Parvati is an educated and a successful woman, but she believes in superstition that you know, Lakshmi's henna was the sole reason she got pregnant for the second time. And there are so many superstitions like that in India that are relevant
0: even today. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think for people, it's just easier to believe in miracles as opposed to like science, logic, medicine. Yeah. Then in reality, even in the book, Lakshmi just had a good understanding of how different herbs worked, which she used in like forms of sweets and snacks to fix ailments and hormones in most of the women. Also,
1: like, although both of them are of higher caste, like Lakshmi and Parvati, Lakshmi is still lower than her and can't demand the same respect from her because her profession includes, you know, touching women's feet for applying the henna.
0: I just don't understand why feet are considered disgusting. Aren't they part of your own body? I know. How does someone touching them become a lesser person? Right. But we all know that this thinking exists for sure. And I think that's why I was so opposed to touching feet as quote-unquote sign of respect. Because in reality, I just thought it's disrespectful to me. Because I, as a person who's touching the feet, am becoming a lesser person in a way.
1: I know. And, you know, Parvati also has that bias against lower caste. Like, she said that she would never let her son get married to a lower caste girl. I think this is all like so relevant even today in India,
0: not only like in rural places like villages, but even in big cities. Oh, yeah, that definitely exists. Some people from these lower castes have better financial situation today. The upper caste people can mingle with them socially because of the economic status. But still, they would not marry their kids in a different caste. Yeah. You can also see this privilege in a way in this book that Lakshmi is poor, but she's from an upper caste. And that's the big reason for her success. Because I don't think these rich upper caste women would have allowed lower class artists to come in their houses, to be so close to them, to listen in their conversation, become almost friends with them. Right. So
1: Daman, I have a question for you. Since we're talking about superstitions in India... What
0: are some of the superstitions that you remember growing up? I think one of the most common ones is that don't cut your nails at night. Oh, yeah, I've heard that too, actually. It just probably made sense in olden times that it's so dark outside and you don't have lights or there's power cuts. So just safety reason, but it very quickly turns into this something bad is going to happen. I know. Some monster is going to come if you cut your nails now. (laughs) Even now, you know, if I cut
1: my nails at night, I'm like, oh my God, what is going to happen to me? (laughs) Oh, I've got another one, you know, girls are not allowed in the temples or in the kitchen during their period
0: because they'll make everything impure. I think that's way more than just a superstition. It's like a full-blown religious propaganda, if you ask me.
1: I know. And you know, I never understood this. Even when I was young, like I used to go to the temples, even on my period. I didn't used to tell anyone, but I just used to
0: go. Look at you and your silent rebellion.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Because, you know, even at that age, it didn't make sense. At one point, you're saying that God is everywhere and God gave everything to you.
0: And so that
1: means that God gave us the period, right? So how does that
0: even make us impure? It's so illogical. Religion isn't logical, really, right? They just want to control others whoever they can control and i think this is a great way of making women feel dirty and impure every month forever and a great way to like you know impose rules on them and women
1: follow that even i think today they follow that
0: yeah it's just very deeply planted since we're talking about this i'm going to share something a friend of mine told me one of her friends was from this very religious family i think during her school And if she had her period, everyone in the family knew and she was not let in to use the kitchen or anything. I think there was like a dedicated area where she could be for those five days. And if they had to do like a class project or just meet their friend, none of the friends were let in the house because the girl just wasn't allowed. There were no exceptions. Oh,
1: God, can you imagine? Like, first of all, that girl is in pain. And then like all her friends are blaming her for not letting them enter the house. So they have to sit outside. I know, outside and probably sitting project.
0: in the sun. I know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I think let's move on to the next one. Because this is something we will not stop talking about. <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: This will be another 30 minute episode. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Easily can be. So another one I heard a lot from my mom was, don't swing your feet or something bad will happen to you. Oh, oh! I think I, I've heard that too. I think she was just annoyed at me doing that. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe her mom was annoyed at her when she was growing up and they just made a full scary superstition out of it that if you swing your feet, something scary is going to happen. <laughs>
1: i think i believe that your mom was like just don't do anything just sit there because if you do something (laughs) something bad will happen oh you know there's another one uh, which is so relevant even today it's uh, if a cat crosses your path you're doomed
0: for the day yeah especially if it's a black cat right
1: Yeah. And you know what I used to do? So, if my brother and I are walking and a black cat crosses our path, I would still walk and my brother would be in awe, like, oh my God, you're so brave. But in my heart, I was like so scared also, like, I don't know, am I going to die tonight?
0: (laughs) That's so funny. Since you're talking about like being scared on the inside, I have another one. So, when we were growing up as girls, we were told that if you wash your hair on a saturday that means you were not gonna get married and if you wash your hair on a thursday it meant bad luck for your brother and i think tuesdays also had some reason (laughs) which i don't remember anymore (laughs) so i used to feel like this is so stupid and i'm gonna wash my hair whenever i want to but let's say i wash my hair on a thursday later (laughs) i would be worried oh no is my brother okay (laughs) Can you imagine
1: if you and your brother fought and then you washed your hair on a Thursday just to get revenge on him?
0: (laughs) You know, I never thought of it, but that sounds like such a great idea. Like if he pissed me, I should have been like, you know, you're very annoying right now. I'm just going to go wash my hair on a Thursday. (laughs) Yeah. But there was so much guilt around this, honestly. Like your hair washing schedule is responsible for your brother's health. Or whether or not you are going to be a burden on your parents or not. Oh God,
1: I know. That is so stressful. I know. Let, let me wash my hair in peace.
0: It's not what <laughs> I'm asking for.
1: Oh, you know, there's another one. You should eat something sweet before leaving the house. So your day will go good.
0: Yeah, I've heard that. I think my mom also used to feed us like yogurt with some sugar in it before our exams. Because that would bring good luck. And oh right, 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 health. yeah. Also, speaking of leaving the house, there's this very weird one where if the clock says 10:45 or 11:45, they won't let you leave the house. They'll make you wait till like it goes to the full hour thing. Like it has to be 11 a.m. or 12 p.m. Why? Because <laughs> <laughs> those last 15 minutes were somehow unauspicious. I think it might just have started. To like, oh, please stay ten more minutes. Don't leave now. And oh, right. it just turned into a superstition.
1: Oh, my God. I think we can just think of these for now. But if you're listening to our episode, what are some of the weirdest superstitions you have heard growing up? Share it with us by leaving a comment.
0: There's a part in the book referring to Lakshmi's story that her husband was abusive and that's why she fled. But she could not go back to her own family because unhappy wives couldn't just go back home to their parents expecting sympathy. How sad is that? And what's sadder is that it still happens, you know? Yeah, there is a lot of stigma associated
1: with divorces or separation after marriage. And like you said, it still happens today. And that's why so many women are stuck in
0: unhappy, abusive marriages just for the sake of the society yeah that's so true and because the society has set this up in a way that women just feel like they have nowhere else to go they just keep living with this abusive or just unhappy marriages
1: I know and you know earlier women were not working so they were not financially independent so even if their husbands were like abusive or they were in in unhappy marriages they had to live with that person forever But even now, now, when the women have become financially independent, they cannot walk out of the marriages because of this social stigma.
0: Yeah, that just goes to show how strong this social pressure can be. Right. While we are on this topic of marriage, another thing that was in the book, and I think I have always found very odd, is that some families change their daughter-in-law's first name as soon as she comes to their house, as if her previous self has never existed.
1: Oh my God, this happens today as well. And I'm surprised to see that even girls don't oppose this. When I was getting married, my mom asked me, would your in-laws change your name? And I was like, what? Like, if my husband (laughs) wants me to change my name, I don't want to get married.
0: Like, your name is your identity. How can you change it? I know. My full name is the name I've grown up with, how I recognize myself, and overnight society wants to take that away. Right. I was opposed to changing even my last name, but this is actually a common thing that happens, that some families just change the entire name.
1: Like all your life, you're called by your name and then suddenly you get married and the next day you're called by a different name. That's so Yeah, stupid. like
0: you were Khyati for 20-something years and now you're Priyanka or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> I can see that change. I actually think it is a well-thought system to strip women away from identity. So then it becomes so easier to tame them and own them. I totally agree. I'm just glad that Lakshmi in this story, was able to break away from all that held her down. Mm -hmm. And while we're speaking of breaking the norms, Lakshmi even had this amazing secret business, which I really loved, that she provided people with birth control, tea and abortions, which she learned from her late mother-in-law. And I really admired her ambition and business mind in this. Yeah, me too. We are talking about birth control and abortions. When I was reading this, I was like, this is something that present-day America is still at war about. These religious and conservative people want to control women's bodies with this whole pro-life movement. And they're so rigid and extremist about it. There's no room for understanding of people's unique situations or any ounce of empathy for the hard decisions they have to make for whatever reason.
1: Yeah, that is another means of oppression that these white men in power use. It's almost like they don't want women to choose anything for themselves.
0: Yeah, that's true. And another big part of the problem is that there's such a lack of women in positions of power or influence, right? Yeah. Like These are the ones who actually understand the effects. But they are not letting the rooms where policies and decisions regarding women's health and life are made. Right. You remember Lakshmi's mother-in-law in this story? from whom she learned all about the herbs and everything. Yeah. She is an old woman in rural India of 1950s. This person had so much more empathy than any educated progressive person. She understood that more kids meant more burden on women, whether it's to feed them or raise them. And she also understood that there could be other reasons why women don't want kids or want to get rid of their pregnancies. That, to me, was admirable.
1: Yeah, and now that you bring up her mother-in-law, it was so heartwarming to read about her character. In a way, her mother-in-law has been her mentor. When no one understood Lakshmi in the world where she came from, her mother-in-law perfectly understood her and helped her. It was sometimes knowingly or sometimes unknowingly to become what she is today.
0: What I also liked was that She was so different from that generic mother-in-law image we see in movies, TV and all that.
1: Oh, I know. Like, I think earlier mother-in-laws, their sole purpose was to torture their (laughs) (laughs) daughter-in-laws.
0: There was this one repeating mother-in-law in in all movies called, I think, Nirupa Roy, who just played like this vamp mother-in-law always. (laughs) It really shaped my understanding of the world. (laughs) Probably not in the best way.
1: So now it's time for brownie points. I would like to give one brownie point to this book because I really liked the shades of grey in all the characters. Like her husband Hari or her nemesis Parvati or even her younger sister Radha. I think that makes it so real.
0: Yeah, I think Hari's character arc was my favorite. I did not expect that growth. I know, it was so realistic. I would give another brownie point because of how Alka has used several Hindi words as is and has not translated them to English for the benefit of other readers. Instead, she has provided a glossary for non-Hindi readers. Yeah, I like that too. This book also gets another brownie point because since this was picked by Reese's Book Club, it led to them sharing a lot about Indian culture on their social media like various fabrics, jewelry styles, which have been mentioned in the book. It made me so happy to see those pieces of our culture represented. Yeah, it was so great to see that. Finally, this is a brownie point for Alka herself for agreeing to be a guest on our podcast. She has been so friendly, supporting and generous and we are truly grateful to her. I agree.
1: Thank you, Alka. We had so much fun talking to you about the hen artist.
0: This was our discussion on The Henna Artist by Alka Joshi. It's a beautiful, vivid portrayal of post-independence India and the courage and strength of an ambitious woman. We both absolutely loved this book and totally, totally recommended. it. Join us in the next episode where we discuss The Henna Artist with the creator of The Henna Artist, Alka Joshi. Tune in to listen to her vision, her process, and her personal stories and inspiration for The Henna Artist.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of Brown Girls Read Podcast. If you like what you hear, please leave us a five-star rating and a comment. You can support us at anchor.fm slash browngirlsread slash support. Your support will allow us to continue this podcast and bring more episodes to you. Also, don't forget to subscribe and follow us on Instagram, browngirlsreadpod. And if you have book recommendations for us, you can leave us a comment or message on Instagram.
0: For our next episode, we are reading The Henna Artist by a fellow brown girl, Alka Joshi. We hope you'll be reading with us and until then, keep listening.